0: Welcome to Navigating Change, everybody, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with the maestro of management, Howard Tybal. Do you, do you
1: spend time in advance preparing what those things are? See, that's, so, that's the maestro of
0: management. I do. Do you know what? It's like foreshadowing, like and it's alliteration. It satisfies all of my academic uh, kind of yearnings. What, does this ever happen to you late at night where you're like, oh, my God, I got to get up and I got to write a, that down? I do. I have a little field notes journal right here. It's a little field oh, notes looked, brand I'm journal. looking at it, people, and he and does have the field notes it journal. Has, it has my notes in it right here. These are my midnight notes. Hold it not No, I'm not going to show it. you what it says. All and right, you'd see my innermost it. thinkings. Yeah, I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> You have no idea. Uh, later this month, Howard is going to be heading back to Cornell to join the ranks of presenters for this year's American Management Institute conference. And today we're going to be sharing a, a bit of a refresher, some lessons learned over the last year since the last time he was there, and and talk about this uh, decision making and the value of line management development, particularly in higher ed. But before we get started, you should find out more about navigating change at com, where you can subscribe to the show by email, iTunes, or your podcast app of choice, and connect with us on Twitter and LinkedIn, all at Tybalink.com. And for those of you heading to Nakubo in Nashville, don't forget to look for us. Howard will be presenting throughout the event, July 18th through 21st, and we would love to see you. I say we there, but that's that's a sad miscommunication. Yeah, I know you're not going to be there, I will are not be not, not this be there. time. I don't know who's going to open your wine bottles for you. That's, gonna, that's Shush, upsetting. Shush!
1: You don't want to give away my little tricks. Oh, by that the way, was we're a not secret... Do-
0: and we're not doing wine this time. We're doing something else special. No, I wouldn't even know.
1: Because we have Russ Moore coming from Colorado, hint, hint. They got great <laughs>
0: beer in Colorado. All right, never mind. All right, so the American Management Institute is coming up July 27th through 31st at Cornell University, co-sponsored by friends of the show, Ikubo. Uh, This it, It's a professional conference, this uh, AMI, Howard. Right, it's for line managers, department heads, other leaders across the higher ed organization. But I don't see senior board leadership. I don't see senior business officers called out on the list anywhere. And so I have this big question. Is this audience ready for the Howard title experience oh, uh, uh, the the short answer <laughs> is yes,
1: they are ready so let me let me tell you uh here's what's great about this Cornell experience is that you know we all know there's there there are people in every one of our organizations that have the title they got the name they got the look they're right they're the ones that are in charge they're they're pushing the buttons telling people what to do. These are the people getting the work done mm mm-hmm. This is who comes to this conference. And, and what's wonderful about it, last year was the first year I did it, I believe. I think that's right. And the focus there was, and it was on this similar topic, but I've had a year to continue to refine this, which is how do you, as a team, make effective decisions? And there's a way of breaking out the different conversations you need to have. So I had this epiphany this morning. Right? Yeah. When I'm doing, when I'm at the gym and every one of us by the way should find those places. What what is your place by the way? Where do you go to have your epiphanies, Pete? This is really an important conversation it's separate but real quick.
0: Yeah, no, I too. It's it's uh you know when I walk, you know I'm big into uh step tracking. I'm tracking my yeah. steps, you know. So I put yes. the phone in the pocket and I go for long walks and uh and in the shower. Shower is always a good place for me. That's the only place that's really silent for me, so.
1: See, for me, I don't, so I well, I put music on my head and and, and when I'm at the gym and, and I and I'm saying this for any listener, Look for, look for those places and find ways to discipline yourself, to be in situations where you can have those insights that don't come in the normal course of the day. So I'm, I'm in the gym and I'm elliptical and I'm working up a sweat. And usually when I'm in that state, things just sort of pop. And I was watching, and part of it was watching this video. And this woman was talking about the difference between attitude and behavior. And so sort of the conventional wisdom is change your attitude and behavior will follow. And I've been actually saying that. I've been playing a video over the years, this guy who talks about um, attitude. And I and I agree with this on some level, but I think in it, when I look at my own behavior and my own success, it really is about change of behavior and then that has an impact on attitude. Now, I think this is really an important behind-the-scenes piece that we're going to talk about at the conference. And that is, in the end, You're going to learn a lot of interesting things, I think, right, from not just me but other speakers. But in the end, if you don't change your behavior in some capacity, none of it's going to make much of a difference. Right.
0: Because you have the return from conference problem, right? You get back into the real world and your behavior doesn't change because you're back into the track.
1: That's right.
0: So to me, it's, it's, it's a question
1: of intentionality. We all have places where we've been successful, and we're going to talk about that. I'm going to ask the people in the room, and I'm going to be doing this increasingly, whatever level you're at, you know, whether you're a college president, or you're a director, or you're a vice president, or if you're working in IT, whatever the story is, what do you need to do so that you can step into that next thing. And we all know what those next things are. It often requires taking a risk, right? One of the wonderful quotes I heard uh, Alan Zimmerman say is, if you want something better in your, better in your life, a new job, happier family life, whatever the story is, sometimes you have to take a risk. And when it comes to trying to produce change in the workplace, behavior is everything. Are we willing to step out of our normal way of looking at things? Are we willing to say, you know what, that's not the problem? You know, we sit down and we defer to the group to determine what the problem is. But what what I've discovered, and we're going to talk about this at the conference, is how do we really know what the problem is? Are we looking at a symptom or are we really discussing the root causes, and there's a decision making process that I'm going to lay out for the group, and they're going to give them a chance to talk about and work in small groups to learn how to use this tool to have more robust conversations. But the heart of it is are you willing to change yourself? Are you willing to step into that next thing? And the next thing might be you're willing to speak truth to power, as you have often talked about, Pete, with me.
0: Yeah, right? I think, you know, for me, it gets back to this very simple behavior. I, th- I love that you're talking about attitude and behavior, because I, whenever I find myself thinking the other way, that, you know, if I, if I change my attitude, my behavior will improve, I always think about the smile test, right? That it is, it is proven that if you, if, you're, if you are not happy— and you physically smile, Mm. it will change the way you feel. The endorphins are connected to the experience of smiling, not to your inner wellspring of happiness. It is a behavior that drives your intentionality. And I find that so powerful. It's just such a simple thing. You know, I just get frustrated. I get mad. I walk around smiling like an idiot. And about five minutes later, I'm feeling pretty good about things. That's right. That that drives to all this stuff. So let's get back to the to the decision making model because you know I think we get we get into this particularly if I think back to my days as a line manager we get into this situation where we think oh the the, the decisions are made above my pay grade. So why is it important for people coming into this conference to to be ready and willing to embrace a a. A, a new muscle or a new skill about getting involved in a decision-making process, uh, how does that make them better contributors? Why, why should they come in, and sit down and listen to this?
1: There are three roles that we play in an organization. And some of us play more one than the other. And I'm going to give you the three roles. One role is you're a leader. Now, you might say, oh, no, I'm not. Because I need to have followers. Well, a follower might be people. If the interpretation of being a leader is that you have people that report to you, that's not the definition of leadership. That's the definition of management. So a leader is somebody that can influence others, and you have followers. All right? Whatever that story is, you might be on a project team, and you have an opportunity even though you're just a team member or you're part of a department, you have an opportunity to lead something an initiative, but you have to it has to be something that you're passionate about. Another task that we another role that we play is as manager, managing tasks, right? We all have to do it no matter what level or organization we're in, we're a manager. And the third level is aside from that concept of leadership, having followers following us down a path is the strict idea of thinking we need to influence a change. So with those three sets of sort of roles in mind, it doesn't matter where you are in the chain of command. You are a member of a team that I can tell you more often than not needs individuals to step up and either identify the elephant in the room or Something that we should be doing that nobody's saying, Uh, and those two things—those two things—too many of us sit on our hands when, in fact, we have an opportunity to step up. So, one of the step up and 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 speak. Here's what I think is really going on, and I think too often in the workplace we wait to get permission. To step forward. Well, in, in the session that we're going to be in, I'm going to speak to this idea of are you waiting for permission to step forward or are what you doing uh, is finding a way to push on an agenda and see if you can get people to follow you. The decision-making model, which is a seven-step process, is going to teach you how to engage in distinct conversations that All in the end tie together to go from understanding the problem to having a vision, to having a mechanism for how we get through it, how we actually decide what should we do, how do we brainstorm, to then designing a work plan and then making sure that we're holding each other accountable. Those are the major steps in decision making. And I'll tell you one of the other things that I've discovered, the model that I sort of started working with in my consulting and then teaching very much follows the concept and it almost happened inadvertently. I mean, I think I was very much influenced by Simon Sinek in his concepts around just ask why, you know, Mm -hmm. he puts why forward. And when I look at what I've developed in terms of a flow, what I've discovered is most of the time we start with what's most tangible. What do you want to do? Right then we get to how we want to do it and then maybe we get to why we should do it
0: if and we're what justifying
1: I'm, or rationalizing after the fact that's right and the model that i'm going to be proposing and teaching at the at the conference at the amr conference is starting with why cuz if you don't have a compelling why maybe whatever initiative you think is so important you shouldn't you, it's it's not worth doing right, right. so what I'm going to instruct people is show them a framework for how to really get into the why of the idea, the why of the opportunity, the why of solving the problem. Then go from there, how can you do it? What are the different ways you can do it? And that's fundamentally brainstorming. And then what is should come out of this? And too often, we go into decision-making with, we think we understand the problem, we come together, somebody proposes a plan, and we skip all the important conversations. So this is this is at the heart of what we're going to uncover for people. And then in the end, people have to decide if they're going to take this model back with them and lay it on the table in front of their, their peers and say, let's try this. That, it's a risk to do that, right? You walk into a team. Some people, I can't tell you the number of times people have said to me, you know, I wish I had this six months ago when I started the project. Well, you know what? Nine times out of ten, you're you you're going to be in the middle of something and you have to integrate something new. This is an opportunity to take this approach and weave it back in and inspire people to be able to uh, – Engage or experiment with with uh, with this approach. I,
0: I you know, and that's one of the things I love about the the approach in general. And I would just say that if you haven't been through the, this experience, or if you haven't, if you don't have a model for um, you know figuring out your why you're taking on projects before you get into the meat of the project management itself, there is real benefit in taking a step back and and answering that question: Why are we here? What is it that we're hoping to get out of this project? Because even if you you come to the same conclusion that we're doing the right thing. You have just taken ownership of that process, right? You have taken ownership in the, in, in what you are doing every day. And that increases the investment in vision increases the investment in motivation. Uh, and, and in the end, I think creates better work. Yeah. And I think people are looking for this. I mean, they're looking for ways to break up the
1: monotony of how we normally come together and meet. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of, you know, there's in a sense, I think the the, you know, the NBC show The Office was built on a premise of what it's like to work in in an office environment. Mm -hmm. Right. There's the all the dysfunction that goes on and the dysfunction is fundamentally that we've got so many different agendas going on at the same time and pulling people together to have one conversation and, or to be able to, to make sure we're all in the same conversation is so interesting. If you watch teams, 10 people will be talking the say, about the same topic. And if you, to, if you stopped them and say, all right, what, what are you trying to get at right now? You went around the room, you would discover inevitably the group is having different conversations at the same time, thinking they're all talking about the same thing and they're not. Exactly. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a, real, it, it's, it's a real empowering. And I think the challenge for people is to say, how do I take this back then and institutionalize this? And this is where taking a risk comes into play because, you know, this is the classic dilemma with people that go to conferences, right? You go to a conference, you get inspired, and you say, you know, I wish so-and-so was here. So, so, so I can go back with them and and the two of us can tell, tell people, this is what we're going to do. I got to do this myself now. And in some sense, conferences force people into having to demonstrate a higher level of leadership.
0: It absolutely does. And I, you know, that, that comment, and I have said it, I'm victim of my own frustration here. I've said, gosh, I wish my boss manager, whatever was here to experience this too. Mm -hmm. But the implication of those words are, uh, this is a waste of my time. Because I will not be able to do anything with this. Yeah, and then by the way,
1: you go back. You go back. One of the things you can do is say, you know what, I'm going to make sure this person comes with me next time. Right. Right. And I, and I'll tell you, I can't. I did a workshop uh, when they when it was the president of the school and it was their CFO, and we were in small teams. and the The power of having them be together, cell phones turned off. Thinking about the issues that impact both of them uh, and how they're going to work through some strategic issues as opposed to the CFL having to go back and explain to them why it's so important.
0: Right. Right. And that's, I guess, is my point, right? Don't, don't give up. Don't let yourself give up, even if you're attending alone, because the, it, yeah. it, is, it is your responsibility to go back to your organization and make the case if you really believe in it. And if you believe in it, that'll come through. Change that behavior.
1: Yeah. And the other thing because I'm thinking about, well, what what what's exciting about this? And I think it's about breaking things up. I, I, I think there's too much if you find in your organization there's too much business as usual, we're doing things the same way, and the answer to a lot of what we do is, well, that's how we've always done it. The only the only thing you can do is you can step forward and you can put a stake in the ground and say, Let's try something different and not to reserve this for the people who are making the big paychecks, right? Too often it's about people are waiting for the boss to say, let's do things differently because it is a risk. It is a risk to stand out. But this is, to me, there's greater satisfaction in this and you have the opportunity to make a a positive impact. It's it's a real demonstration of leadership, and I think more and more, especially in higher education, we need to see that kind of behavior from people where it's not about self serving. You know, it's not about look at me, I'm the leader. This is about I've got a passion for making a change in how we do our admissions. I have a passion for how we think about enrollment. I want to bring in. Can we think about bringing in other people to open up some of the some of the conversations? And sometimes your boss won't be the one to instigate that. You may need to be the one to influence your boss to try something different. And that's going to be a central theme at AMI: is how do you influence people around you to move in a positive direction and not wait for them to figure it out because very often they won't. Oh. Ooh, Ooh. Well, I, very, they, uh, that, well, they want, well, what were you going to say? No, no, no. Think, that was good. You got
0: to call people out sometimes.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and again, <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I'm embellishing, maybe I'm exaggerating. Very often they won't. If here's my attitude, you know, whenever, whenever I make uh, a bold statement, I look in the room to see who, who I pissed off. <laughs> That's the person that should be listening more carefully because yeah. if you're not affected by a bold statement then you're like, you know what? It doesn't apply to me. Yeah. Right? Right. Right. If you're pissed off because somebody says something that offends you, maybe there's something for you to look at yourself. Yes.
0: At least there is a higher likelihood of that. But but yeah. I was just going to add that that you know if if you this is a, a conversation about bench strength right in terms of line management this is a conversation about becoming somebody who is a better contributor to the university to the institution mm-hmm. and being able to improve your skills to to get to that point and and being able to have a collective understanding yeah. of these concepts around group decision making it is endemic on each of us to take that responsibility and sometimes the people who are in charge of making that decision don't know or won't figure it out. Because they are really wrapped up doing their own things, trying to lead the institution, and so you just take ownership of it, right?
1: Yeah. So there's yes, and I think that you're you're speaking there to how important it is, no matter what role you are, to to say what is what is my contribution in this? Am I willing to not wait for the group to decide, but to be willing to put something out? And I'm going to give you a I'm going to give a a, a short a short um, uh, tidbit from from the workshop. And here's the number one thing I think is missing is inspiration. And the reason inspiration is missing is because we're all so caught up in what it's going to take to get the stuff done, as opposed to having a vision for a future state that, We can actually describe as if it's here right now. And I can tell you, and we're going to do an exercise like this when we're together. When you can put language around a future state five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road, and get a group talking about what that future state, what that future success looks like as if it's here today, as if it's being written about in the in the Wall Street Journal, or the Chronicle of Higher Education. The whole demeanor of individuals changes. What slips away is that feeling of, oh, that tiredness, and my God, work plans and project plans. And this is where we need to start the conversations from, which is, what is our vision? And then let's build the work plan around a clear vision. That is where we're going to, that's where we're going to, as a group, we're going to dig into. And when you when you come from that place, you end up finding that you're touching your passion and you're touching other people's passion because otherwise work is just drudgery, right? Right. It's just, you know, getting through the day and making sure you check off your lists. And our excuse is we don't have time for this. But I, I would suggest we don't have we don't have time not to deal with this. We have to deal with this if we want to really inspire positive change.
0: I think that's as good a lesson as any to leave uh, leave us here. Well done. Once uh, thank again, you. your wisdom outshines. Yeah, what would you, ca-
1: you call me? What would you call <laughs> me at the beginning, Maestro of Management? The Maestro of Management. Yeah. All right, I'll take that. This, you know, you uh, that's this week. Next week it'll be
0: something. Do you have a whole list? ready to go I, I i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give away that
1: all right never mind secret. never mind by the way the bird looks the beard looks good i like right?
0: it the gray part is represents wisdom
1: yeah and it's it really it, it's growing gray and right in just the perfect spots
0: yeah i don't know if i like this people guy can I'm looking at in the mirror i don't know if i like that guy i don't know how long he's gonna stick around but for now it's
1: i know thing. yeah well i'm yeah. glad yeah it, you know, thank you okay. thanks
0: for bringing that up on the show that's what <laughs> people love this stuff Uh, Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to the show. Uh, It it, uh, is a pleasure for us to join you each week. Uh, Learn more about the show, Tybalink.com, and we will uh, hopefully see you at Nakubo and AMI just the week after. On behalf of Howard Tybal, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybalink.